Hola, my name is Dr. Kelly Alvarado Young. You can call me Dr. K. I'm a Latina, mommy, scholar, registered yoga teacher, and mujer cultivating pathways towards healing for BIPOC folks. La brega is Puerto Rican slang for struggle, doing the best we can with the hardships thrown at us and still enjoying life. You are not alone in La Brega. Join me on the Wellness Cheese Chat, where guests co-create a space to share how they incorporate wellness into their lives. We may experience pain, trauma, and hardships as we work to build a more equitable world. That's why it's more important than ever to build a space we can post up with our cafecito to center how we care for ourselves, community, and world. Vamos and welcome to La Brega Yoga Flow and Meditation Wellness Chisme Chat. Dale! It's Dr. K. I am so excited. Today on our episode, we have a two-for-one special. We are going to be featuring a wonderful couple that will be sharing with us what does wellness mean to them. So let me invite Marisa to go ahead and introduce herself and Robert. Thank you, Dr. K. We're excited to come on because this is actually our first podcast as a couple. Uh, but more importantly, we're actually a newly married couple. Uh, we got married May 6th. So we're very much new. Uh, my name is Maritza Diaz Ott. Um, I'm originally from the Bronx, New York, um, and I am I work as a communications liaison right now in a local city government. And at the same time, I'm actually in grad school and getting a certificate in conflict resolution. Uh, yes, and um, part-time yoga instructor, uh, longtime movement teacher, uh, fan advocate. And I want to introduce my wonderful um, husband, which is so odd to say, <laughs> uh, but happy to say, and he is Dr. Robert Ott. So take it away, honey. Thank you for inviting us on the show today. My name is Dr. Robert Ott, but please call me Robert. Um, I teach at a high school and I also teach at a college. I teach a number of different subjects. I've taught American history, world history, but what I teach at the high school and also at the college level is psychology, human development, and student success. And it's interesting because I work in a Title I school and a Title I school is predominantly skewed as far as demographics towards African-Americans and Hispanic uh, student. And a small segment of it is white and a small segment is Asian and so forth. But that's the demographic. So I spend a lot of time. I've been at the high school for eight years. I've been at the college for 10 years. I now have a PhD. I'm now a, a known author on a book that I just recently published. And it's going to be available on Audible as well this month. It's going to be released. And I'm excited to have a conversation about wellness. Congratulations to both of y'all for getting married and really being newlyweds and bringing together this idea of what wellness looks like for you individually and as couples. You've been doing it as adults and been doing it as a couple. And it's interesting to think about what that title of husband and wife does in that shift. I've been married to my dear sweet partner who I talk about often on here, Matt, for about five years now. 
and thinking about what wellness looked like before and now that we have a kid now really what those wellness look like for both of us and how do we try to support one another and that has shifted and transformed in many ways so then what would you say for you two has been anything if that has shifted in the way you have taken care of yourself individually and or as a couple wow that's a great question because um i think now as a couple is very different and how so because before I thought of just myself with family, of course, but now he is family. I have to be mindful of my wellness and my stress levels and to be very raw and honest right now for your listeners is that I repeat that I have to be aware of my wellness as well as his and the stress levels. And I think we all can agree that life is Yes, life is beautiful, but it's also challenging right now. There's a lot of shifts going on economy-wise and in the world. And it's important for me that I have to constantly remind myself that I want to be on a stable level because this is for my, my husband. And I want to be able to create a happy home. I now worry about more than just me and my family. I worry for him. Wellness is now a twofold. You know, we, we actually love walking together. That's a part of wellness that we like to do. Although we live in Florida, it's very hot. So we can't walk outside right now. But when it cools down, we walk. When we were in preparation of marriage, actually it was advised to us to spend 20 minutes together with no devices. It was also recommended that we spend one date night a month and also recommended to spend one weekend away. That's wellness is really for me to take the time for me and him. And I love walking with him and I love doing the mundane things with him and I love watching TV with him. And that's, that's what wellness means to me. When I think about the term wellness, I think of it initially the way most people do. I want to be physically healthy and emotionally healthy. But then you ask yourself, what does that mean? Are there any social structures that play a role in that responsibility towards somebody's wellness? And I think that there is social responsibility that needs to be determined and also needs to be acknowledged and also needs to be implemented in the very fabric of American life. And when I say American life, I'm referring to citizens and non-citizens because we're all within the boundaries of this country. You can't help but wonder how much of a role does economics play in one's health and wellness? Do they have enough money at the end of the month after paying expenses to have an enjoyable social life? Do they have the right amount of money to pay for food that is more nutritious than food that is inexpensive but doesn't have much nutritional value? When we think about all these things, what we're really talking about is an equitable solution to the very economic fabric of society, especially when many people are working multiple jobs. I work two jobs, for example, at the high school and the college. I do well with both jobs, but I can't survive on one exclusively. And there's a problem with that, because if you would ask me, why do I work two jobs, which you're not going to hear from me, Dr. K is, <laughs> I work it because I just have to be busy. No, I work two jobs because I need to survive. I prefer one. But trying to find a job that makes sense is another problem. Recently, I just had a job offer at a community college on Long Island. 
one, they didn't pay enough as an associate professor, and they only paid $5,000 more than what I work earning two jobs here in the state of Florida. And we don't pay state taxes here, even though the cost of living has gone up significantly. So, you know, that's not really a good equitable solution to one's wellness. So wellness, it's not just saying, I want to be healthy. I want to avoid drugs. I don't want to drink alcohol very often unless it's on a rare occasion. It, it, it goes far beyond that because there's social structures, economics that play a role in this responsibility. And we need to acknowledge that. I love you bringing in that different form of wellness right? The wellness wheel has multiple dimensions. And mm -hmm. often we can go to the money, the food, the I need to look sexy, what's up? There are these other forms of wellness that have huge impacts for our families and their ability to do what they need to do. And I agree with you in regards to just education and educators we do not compensate our educators enough <laughs> if folks know anything about the 2020 pandemic and trying to homeschool your kids you should thank a teacher every time you get to drop that kid off so yes folks please thank your teachers for the work that they're doing i think in regards to that economic wellness especially with the potentials that are out there around costs of recession like you mentioned, cost of living has gone up considerably across the country. How does that impact our BIPOC folks? In my own experience, having switched income brackets, that from when I grew up, you know, being a kid on free and reduced lunch, and now my kid won't even know what that program is because of the education level I've attained and the things that I've done. Also having those conversations and the differences, like for me, I'm in in interracial marriage, my husband's white. And so we've had to have conversations about what does it mean when I say our son will be racialized as a Latinx person? What does this mean for us as a couple and how we look out for each other? Because I'm going to feel things in the world differently. Like you said, Marisa, how you have to care about your wellness and your partner's wellness. And, you know, have there been those moments where y'all have had to hold each other or create space for each other to navigate the macro environment and its effects on your relationship? Um, I love what you just said, and it reminds me of something, Dr. K. When you say create space, it really brings back memories of yoga teacher training. And I know you are a yoga teacher. I often say that or actually, I, I often say that in class when I teach yoga, but I want to implement those three words, create space at work. Creating space, create a space or creating space is very important when it comes to not physical space, but emotional space. You know, as a Latina, very proud Latina, is that we are often very uh, expressive. We're very expressive. I've noticed that over the, the different cities that I've lived in, different jobs I I've had, creating space means very different, very different to different uh, ethnicities. But I think at the end of the day, it means one thing, is really respecting each other's space. You know, respeto. And I, being a Latina and my, my, my honey husband, as I like to call him, uh, he's, he's uh, uh, not Latin um, descent, but he, he often sees that expressions, right? We're very fiery. And I'm proud to say that being, being mindful of each other's space is so important, whether you're in a couple, but most importantly at work and each other in this life, really honoring each other's space. And I, 
I love when you said that creating space. I have to remember that because we, if we continue to just create space, meaning respect each other's differences, respect each other's space, yes, but at the same time, be mindful of each other. Yeah, creating space is important towards wellness. There's many things that are important to wellness that go well beyond the boundaries of economics. But creating space is important for two reasons. One, it keeps me sane. And two, it keeps her sane. Typically, every morning throughout the school year, I'll get up at 4 a.m. And I don't have to be at the school until 6.45. I spend the first two hours of every morning, Monday through Friday, in prayer and also reading and preparing for my lecture. And those that time in the morning is a really sacred space for me because it allows me to be in my own space with no noise and because i'm bringing up noise another part of wellness is to make sure that we are responsible with the way we use technology and what i mean by that is how we interact with our phone because the phone can be either divisive or it could be helpful and my experience has been that it's more divisive than it is helpful. And it creates unnecessary noise that acts like an unruly dictator in your mind. And it causes you to feel uncomfortable. It causes you to get sad, causes you to get depressed. You have a broad array of emotions that you will experience as a result of this lack of discipline. And I say lack of discipline because it has an addictive nature towards it. You know, you can see that dopamine levels will spike when you're using your phone and interacting with social media, just like dopamine levels will spike when you're drinking alcohol and you're also using drugs. That's what the research tells us. And we know not to drink alcohol in excessive amounts. We know we shouldn't do drugs. Those two points are clear, but we have the same effect when we're using our mobile device and interacting with social media. So I would say creating space also means that we have to create a schedule. We have to make sure we stick to the schedule. What time do we go to bed? What time do we get up? How much space do we carve out every day for ourselves? How frequently do we use our phone? And we make sure that we have boundaries set around important things that have the potential to cause an imbalance in the way we see our personal and our our work productivity, which inevitably, in, which ultimately increases or decreases our satisfaction in life. It, and Dr. K, and I can say, because I, I, I live with him and I can say this lovingly, um, and I'll say it in Spanish and English, he's very disciplined. Él es muy disciplinado. Disciplinado, right. Um, he does get up at four or five o'clock in the morning. If, for me, it's too early. I'm with temprano, but uh, <laughs> but I actually uh, I really respect that he does that. I and that's not for everybody, but my goodness, he's so strong to do that. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to mention when we talk about wellness, because we just covered uh, a gamut of little disciplines that we have to go through. Another big part is sleep. The quality of one's sleep. How many hours are you getting? Is your sleep disrupted? How can we improve it? What are the psychological and physiological effects that one might actually experience when we have 
a running sleep deficit? Is it really harmful to our psyche? Does it cause early onset of dementia leading to Alzheimer's, cardiovascular disease? A lot of fun stuff when we think about how sleep can impact our life and it ties right in with wellness. Yes. I really love this idea of the holistic wellness, right? Like it's all these little choices that you have to make every day and the discipline to say, this is what I am going to do. This is the boundary I'm going to hold, or this is the choice I'm going to make about how I want to engage with myself as well as others in the world that make a huge difference in the way that we are. And I really love this idea of those three pieces, right? Having that routine, identifying your relationship with technology and creating those boundaries of what does it really look like for all of those pieces coming together and how are you reconnecting to self? And it's one of the things that I got into yoga for that reason of having that unity between mind, body, spirit, you know, Maritza thinking about dance and how mm -hmm. they say dancing is like praying 10 times louder. And for you, Robert, being able to spend that time in contemplative quiet and being able to just listen to self because there is so much more whether it's the noise of the traffic or noise of the economy or noise of the technology that's pinging and taking away our focus. Because what they're saying that kids nowadays can only really focus for like seven to 12 minutes at a time. So I'm like, uh, I have a lot more, a lot more things to say, right? And so and we have to think differently about how we're engaging and helping our kids and those we engage with, our family and our friends, in staying connected in a different way. And then let's talk sleep, y'all. Let's go and talk sleep. Oh like, boy. Yes, I, you know, I have not really had a good night night sleep since, uh, you know, the last four years that I had a child. So I have really felt for myself as a new mom and as a Latina, wanting to take care of my family, wanting to take care of my mom, wanting to be there for my kid, wanting to be there for my husband, and feeling told that sleep is the first thing that I tend to go to of, well, I guess I'm going to stay up late or I'm going to wake up early to try to get things done. However, I've had to check myself and say, that's not okay. I need a routine. And, and I have to hold myself accountable to doing the sleep. What has been something, whether it's sleep or something else in your lives, where you have felt yourself start to get out of balance and you had to make that choice to come back to rebalance? That is such a good question. Que buena pregunta. What comes to mind is very raw and honest right now. I don't sleep well. I don't sleep well. The reason why is because there is a thing called rumination. And honestly, my honey um, has helped me with that. Rumination, I constantly think, as you're saying, Dr. K, what you need to do for your children, what your, your to-do list. And I, I do that and I, and I ruminate over everything that I need to do, want to do. Now, I also took a, a positive approach to that. The other day, I actually came up with this theory is that often my thoughts come in at 4 a.m., always at 4 a.m., and I wake up at 4 a.m., and I realized that was the time that I was born. 
Now, I don't know the, the correlation. I'm only thinking, the, I'm making it up that, oh, I'm waking up at 4 a.m. to think about something because that was not, that's when I was born. I'm born into this world. And at the same time, that's when it's quiet, right? So that's when it's quiet. So any of you listening, if you're not sleeping well and your thoughts are coming in in the middle of the night, Yes, it's kind of bad because you're sleepless night. You're having a sleepless night, but at the same time, take it as a positive. That's when it's quiet, which means there's no noise. That's when the ideas are coming in. That's when you're really waking up to new ideas. At the same time, I am tired and I wake up very early. You know, Robert can give you more advice on how to stop rumination. But for me, the way I kind of slow rumination down is that the next day or maybe the middle of the night is to write those ideas down. The next day, review it and see if you can somehow tackle that idea. Actually, Robert has taught me a lot about because, of course, with his PhD background. But honey, I don't know, maybe can you give advice? Because that's been hard. I, I don't well. sleep well. Sure. When you think about ruminating, it really means to deep, think deeply about something. So you're in this deep, pensive thought process. And when you ruminate and thinking about something or chewing it over, for lack of expression, over and over again, it could either be positive or it could be negative. Maybe it's solution-based. You're looking for something to improve at work. You're looking how to improve your life. It could be something as simple as that. But oftentimes when people ruminate, it has a negative connotation because they're irritated by an interaction they had with themselves, something they shouldn't have done, or maybe an interaction with somebody else close to them or with a colleague. And this causes them to stew on those things for longer than they should. And science now tells us that when we start ruminating and we consciously become aware of it, because sometimes it takes us a little while before we're consciously aware of it, we need to start intentionally thinking about something else for at least, I think it's in between 10 to 30 seconds, but let's say 30 seconds to be a little bit more conservative. You actually start to change the rumination process. So that's, that's what I would suggest. Identify whether it's positive or negative. If it is positive, like Maritza was saying, then start jotting down ideas on way to improve systems, way of creative, use that creative energy as an outlet to develop a process deeper for a realistic solution that you and other people can appreciate. If it's negative, then you need to try to change the narrative by thinking about something. Maybe you think about something that brought you joy when you were a little girl or a little boy, whatever it might be. Everybody's got their own little bells and whistles or something like this. But I also wanted to just transition for a moment and mention how she gets up at four o'clock but then she also goes right back to bed yeah. because she doesn't like staying up. No, I don't. <laughs> and I, I would say this, we have to remember, because we talked briefly about sleep. We run a circadian rhythm that is based on 24 hours. Science now tells us it's a little bit longer. It's about 24 hours and 15 minutes. Nevertheless, it's a 24 hour cycle. And when we start getting ready for bed, our body temperature is dropping melatonin levels are starting to spike. We're getting ready to drift into sleep, hopefully. And then it spikes somewhere in the middle of the night. And as we start to approach, approach daylight or sunrise, our body temperature starts to naturally elevate. If you are naturally getting up at four o'clock, get up at four o'clock, <laughs> read, do something productive, go for a walk outside, do something, and then get ready to go, go to work. And then you'll find it easy to go to bed 
the following night. You'll go to bed a little bit earlier. Yeah. Maybe that's your natural cycle that you are fighting. Yeah. Fighting it is not helping you. Pay attention to it. Your physiology is sending you a signal. There's a reason for it. So that's that's my comment about that. <laughs> I know. That's why I laugh because es muy temprano, so early. I, I think I've only stayed up a few times, but you, I, the, the listeners would know that probably by 2.30, you're probably crashing and wanting to drink tea or coffee. Well, that reminds me, another thing that impacts sleep is coffee. It's tea drinking. or coffee. <laughs> All right, yeah. so Dr. K, we're going to direct this question to you. Yeah, because we know Latinas, we love our coffee, cafecito. <laughs> I could some micro expressions right now, so I know you drink a lot of coffee. How much coffee do you drink, and when do you stop drinking it? Yeah, I'm curious myself. Be honest. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, so I work from home now, too. So that's also the other thing that the coffee pot is very easy to find. Uh, and I started brewing my own cold brew at home. Oh, so I will drink in the morning about one to two cups. And that's between nine to noon because I can't really sit and drink the whole thing with my kid. It takes a while to get it going. And then I'll probably have another one in the afternoon and I'll do like a Starbucks or two shots and I'll try to cut myself off at three in the afternoon because I know then I'm going to have a harder time sleeping. Yes. Yeah. But I just love coffee, man. Oh. <laughs> My mom is drinking coffee at eight o'clock at night oh. and is like, okay, are you, do you want a cup? Can you want to coffee after the before you go to sleep? You want some coffee? And I'm like, ma, I got to go to sleep. No. <laughs> You know, and I want to go around the room. So my, my uh, Robert, my honey, was working his PhD as you got your PhD. Very extraneous. It's hard. So, honey, what was the most cup of coffees you have been drinking on a daily basis when you were doing your PhD? About two pots of two pots of coffee a day. But how many cups? So the that's, most. That's about what twenty four. Twenty four cups of coffee. Yeah, because in a in a pot it's twelve cups. So yeah. I was so, finishing like two pots a day from early morning right. to eight o'clock at night. Right. So then after that he was still drinking a lot of coffee because he was conditioned. Conditioned. And so for me, I only drink one cup of coffee in the morning, and then when I go to work, I drink tea, and then that's it. Some and then I, I that's it. I just drink water for the mm -hmm. rest of the day. So this is to say that everybody's different. For some people, like I, my mom, Dr. K, my mom drinks coffee at night. She sleeps just perfectly. <laughs> it does not affect her. So it depends on, on, your, on your body and really to, to each its own. You know, if you want to drink coffee at night, great. Um, kind of monitor how it affects you. I, I'd like to say something about that. Okay. <laughs> After I completed my dissertation and it was published, I started working on a book right away and it took me 18 months. So my caffeine addiction, <laughs> which started at the bachelor level because of my association between a cup of coffee and learning because of the stimulation you get from the caffeine persisted into adulthood. And it, it was exacerbated during a dissertation process, which was very intensive. And then I continued while I was working on my book and it took 18 months. So I drank a lot of coffee. When I finally got done with that, I started to examine 
practices that I was doing daily to determine why I'm not sleeping well and also how can I improve sleep quality. I haven't mastered it yet, but I do sleep much better today than I did six months ago. And one of the things that I came across in a book, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, PhD, and it was it had a profound influence and I've got it right over here. I've got to read through it one more time. One of the things that I learned is that our liver metabolizes caffeine. And depending on how efficient your liver is, it could take five to seven hours to metabolize 50% of the caffeine in one cup of coffee. So it takes 10 hours with an efficient liver to get rid of all the caffeine in your system from your last cup or an inefficient liver, it takes up to 14 hours. So if you're drinking caffeine or coffee at three o'clock, at 10 o'clock, you've only metabolized 50% of it. Either by two or four o'clock in the morning, it's finally metabolized out of your system. So if you're having a restless night's sleep, that's partially the reason for it, which also means you're not cycling through the various stages of sleep. You're not getting as much REM or deep sleep, which is so vitally necessary for the mind and body relationship. Mm -hmm. 100%. And for me, I wake up every day at two in the morning. And I definitely think right there, Doc, you hit it that it is my body going, oh, wait a minute, where's all the caffeine? Hello, wake up, <laughs> let's do this. Yeah. It's ready to start that day all yeah. over again. And, you know, it. I really resonate with that part around the, the socialization of certain things. So this is what equilibrium looks like again without the stimulants or the depressants, the alcohol or the negativity on social media or the news and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, it can get so hard. And I love you sharing the book title of uh, Sleep, Why We Sleep. I'll make sure we include that in our show notes as well for any of our listeners who want to be able to learn more why it's important. When we say you really need to sleep, you should sleep. And I think this is one reason why I got into Yoga Nidra, that Yoga Nidra is the yoga of sleep. And they say that doing 20 minutes of Yoga Nidra is five times deeper relaxation in the parasympathetic um, nervous system than taking a 20 minute nap. And it's because of that, like after the years of poor sleep, a lot of coffee, it's a cafecito man, always gets me. And having to recalibrate my body, yoga has provided me that opportunity too. And that's been a tool that I've used of being able to say, okay, I gotta go back to sleep. Let me listen to a yoga nidra and just drift off and really relax my body and my mind because I am the ruminator, the thinking about five things into the future, the anxiety and all of that going. So this has been an absolutely amazing conversation with y'all. And I want to make sure for our listeners, if they want to hear more about you, right? This is that shameless plug opportunity. How can we get in touch with you? What are the projects that you're working on and anything our listeners can get to listen to? And I appreciate that, Dr. Dr. K, because I honestly wanted to say thank you. Thank you. I love your page. I love what you're doing. And I applaud and I actually said it before (laughs) because here's what's happening. For all of you listeners out there, please create your brand, create your side hustle. 
uh, don't depend on just your job to make your dreams come true. And I like what you're doing, Dr. K. And I do thank you for saying shameless plug because why is it that we always say shameless plug is a bad thing? It's a good thing. So Dr. K, follow her, follow her, follow her, subscribe to her podcast, um, leave a review. It helps her. It helps her. And we need to support each other and small businesses. Um, so where can we find me? Um, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Maritza Ideas. Um, you can actually also follow my website and on LinkedIn. That's all I do. <laughs> I do not go on Facebook. I, I, there's just so much going on. Um, now I do have an online kids program. It's called Little Giant Life. And, you know, just connect with me. And then I actually want to do promote more of my wonderful husband's new book. My husband is, and I'm going to say he is a genius and he has this wonderful book called out and it's called a practical approach. Let me see if I can unblur this. Well, it's not on video anyways, but it's a practical approach to life satisfaction. Um, and I will let him tell everyone where I can follow him. Yes. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> the book is titled A Practical Approach to Life Satisfaction, and there's a subtitle to give the reader an understanding of where I'm going with it, and it, and it says, powered by emotional knowledge and grit. And I'm planning on writing another book, but I, the book is really important, too, because it weaves the story of psychology, philosophy, economics, literature, and philosophers right into the narrative of why it affects people and how it improves or declines somebody's satisfaction in life. Uh, so people could do the best, the best thing they could do for me is to follow me by purchasing my book and supporting my artistic Absolutely. ability. And also uh, connect with me on LinkedIn as Dr. Robert Ott or Robert Ott PhD and also on YouTube. And it's Dr. Robert Ott is my name on YouTube. I'm going to be creating more videos and I'm going to start going into a different direction and maybe even starting a podcast as well. Thank you. Yes, we need more podcasters out there. And this has been such a great way of getting to connect with folks. And I really appreciate both of you being able to create these spaces and share these thoughts and ideas with folks and making it accessible through uh, things like LinkedIn. My, that's where it works. What's up? I love you. Yes. So yay, LinkedIn. I'm like, yes. I'll yes. definitely tag my people on there too and be like, what's up? Uh, so it is absolutely amazing. I'll also make sure in our show notes, we have all of these amazing links directly to all of the offerings and the book and the programs that y'all provide. So if folks want to hear, learn, and should get connected with you, they have these awesome opportunities to do that. So wrapping up our last question that we have for today, it's really for our listeners, this is your chance to talk to them. What is one consejo or advice that you have for them in regards to wellness? My one last thing for all your listeners, please, please put yourself first. Love yourself. Tu eres en primer lugar. You're in first place. Please always remember that. 
what's your my advice for people out there is when you know there's something wrong and you know you're not feeling healthy whether it's psychologically physiologically or both pay attention to that ignore the people around you that say you're fine no you're not if you're not feeling well pay attention to it it's an inner voice that is telling you that there's something percolating inside of you and if you don't take care of it it's going to become worse and you're going to become unhealthy real fast. So my final advice is be open to change and have the courage to move in a different direction when something's not working and try to strike that balance between work and personal activities. I love how both of your piece of advice really dovetail off of each other of being able to make sure you put yourself first and that you listen to that inner voice because it can be so hard with the noise, with the people, the responsibilities and our inner knowing knows what it needs. And the more that we can put that first, then we can really check in on our wellness. Well, I just have to say our time together has been so wonderful. I really appreciate you both. For our listeners, we look forward to having you listen to our next episode. And please go ahead and like, subscribe, and follow all of the wonderful information that was shared with you today. So, nos vemos. Hasta la próxima. Ciao. Ciao. Saludos. Ya llegaste al fin. Thank you for joining me and our guests for some chisme on how we can embrace wellness as BIPOC folk. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at labregayoga.com. New episodes will be dropped the first and third Thursday of the month. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join me for another episode of Wellness Cheese Chat. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and all things wellness. Send me a DM and you can find me on Instagram at labregayoga. Hasta la próxima. Nos vemos. Chao.